This is probably the time I get a lot of tweets like, Jared Dudley's still in the NBA? Yes, I'm here, and I'm going to be here at least a couple more years. Sixth in a row, I told Joel, I see something special in this team. Hashtag believe, hashtag star in your role. You are locked on fantasy basketball. Your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore B-Ball. Today we're going to be looking back at Tuesday's four games in the NBA and previewing a monster 12-game slate on Wednesday. Michael Bolton. Let's get to it. To it. All right, let's get to it indeed. We will start where we always do in these shows, of course, with... Monstrous line of the night. It goes to Nikola Jokic of the uh, of the Denver Nuggets. Pretty good. It's pretty, 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 pretty good. Jokic shouldered a huge load in the Nuggets' victory over the Mavericks. 32 points with 16 rebounds. He hit two tri- triples. He had four assists, three steals, and a block. I've been talking about Jokic's performance this season and how it's really only down because his field goal percentage is way off, only 49% from the field. This is a guy who was shooting 58% two seasons ago. Um, and it's starting to creep back up 50% over the last two weeks, which has pushed him back inside the top 10. He's still averaging 18, 10, and 7.5 and with 1.5 steals this season. The other thing that's down as well this year for him are his blocks, and I do think that he is going to improve that as the season goes on and should keep himself as a top 10 and maybe even top 8 player for the rest of the way. We've seen his usage spike with all the injuries in Denver. He needs to be more aggressive. We don't need to have him deferring to Paul Millsap or to to Will Barton or to, God forbid, Isaiah Thomas when he comes back. This is what uh, Jokic needs to do. This is what the Nuggets need him to do. He does defer a little bit too much, and it can be frustrating. But if you were able to buy low, and many people were were selling him at at third-round prices at one point, you're obviously profiting in that at the moment as he's putting up some pretty strong, or as as one would say, monstrous-type performances at the moment. So Nikola Jokic is your monstrous line of the night. Waiver wire line of the night. It goes to his teammate, Monty Morris. There's going to be a few nuggets in the awards today. Morris played 25 minutes in this game. He had 16 points with two triples, two re- four rebounds, five assists, and two steals. It was a very efficient 7 of 10 from the field. And of course, in true Monty Morris style, had just the one turnover. While Barton and Harris and Thomas uh, are injured, Morris has got a fairly steady role, and he's putting up numbers which are reminiscent of a guy that's a 12-team league. And by reminiscent, I mean he's a top 50 player. So you've got to have him on your roster at least until Barton returns. Uh, 14, 3, and 4.5 and with 1.7 steals. The real turnaround here with Morris, and one of the question marks with him heading into the season was what was his shooting going to be like? Well, he is clearly uh, exceeding expectations there. He has, over the last two weeks, been shooting, over the last month, in fact, shooting 51% from the field, which has included 50% from three. Now, those numbers are, are significantly higher than anyone really should be shooting at any point let alone a guy who had a bit of a dodgy shot coming into the NBA. So that is skewing his numbers. But the steal numbers, the assist numbers, the playing time, all that at the moment is fairly real for Monty Morris, and he does have short-term value. The problem here is the Nuggets don't play again until Saturday, and they don't play again after that until Wednesday. So in the next eight days, they have two games. It really is a dreadful run of games for the Nuggets in terms of getting value out of these players. So while you could look to add Monty Morris... You're going to miss value out there on Thursday, maybe on Friday or Saturday as well. And then they have another three-day break in between games. It's going to make it a little bit harder to uh, to trust him. And then the return of Barton, the return of Harris, the return of Thomas, where does that leave his long-term value? For as good as he's been, yeah, what is Michael Malone going to do? How is he going to you know, apportion these minutes between him and, and the returning players? And it is a, a legitimate concern at this point as to how the, the Nuggets team is going to function, but also how Morris's uh, playing time is going to uh, decrease considering just how good he has uh, he has been so far this season. So, um, yeah, so uh, Monty Morris, he's got that value, but you know, adding him at the moment, is it is it the worthwhile thing just given the uh, the situation with that uh, schedule and the return of injuries, especially with Fight and Will Barton, not that far from returning, and he could be back as early as next week. 
The deep leaguer of the night is another Denver Nuggets player. The same stuff applies here to Malik Beasley, who played 27 minutes, had 12-1-4 and with two triples and a steal. He's been a bit up and down this season. He's rostered in only 3% of leagues, so he's probably available in some 20-teamers, some 18-teamers. But long-term, again, he's likely to be out of the rotation when Harris, Barton, and Thomas all return, although... At this point, I don't think we should be counting. And people ask me this. No, Isaiah Thomas is not a 10-team stash. No, he is not a 12-team stash. I think there is a bigger chance of Isaiah Thomas not playing a game this season than there is of him being a top 100 uh, top 100 player this year. That is how lowly I think of what he's performed. Look, this is a hip injury that's cost him two years, and it's a hip injury one similar to what I had, and I, you know, I'm not the same athlete as Isaiah Thomas. I'm bigger. Um, and it's taken me, it takes me years to recover from it, and it still gives me problems, and I'm not trying to compete at an NBA level. Uh, we saw him be terrible last season, and this is, again, the same situation. We, he's still uh, no timetable to return. I don't think there's any sort of stash necessary for Isaiah Thomas, but again, his impact, uh, biggest impact this season is probably going to be on the, the play of, say, like Monty Morris or, or Malik Beasley or even Jamal Murray. God forbid he, uh, he takes minutes away from him if he does ever come back. But Malik at this point, just a deeper league sort of a player, but has shown more this season than what we saw in either of his first two seasons. And that's a positive for him moving into uh, you know the uh, end of his rookie deal, which is coming up in a couple of seasons' time. If you're on Twitter, if you're on Instagram, make sure you're following the Locked On Network at Locked On NBA Net. All hosts combined into one feed on Twitter, so you get all the latest information at the uh, at the tip of your finger. And then on Instagram, the bigger stories diluted down into the Instagram story format. Sixty second news over there. So follow us, Locked On NBA Net, at Twitter or on Twitter and on Instagram. Let's go into the next award of the day. Young gun of the night. It's Luka Doncic of the Dallas Mavericks. Doncic, we got to see some of that playmaking that we knew that he was uh, famous for over in Europe with Dennis Smith out in this game. Doncic played 35 minutes, had 23, 6, and 12 with three triples and a steal. That 12 assists is that really nice number. The efficiency continues to be a bit of an issue. 5 of 15 for 33% from the field. But the other numbers from Doncic have been impressive. He's a top 50 player this season with still some scope to improve when that uh, field goal percentage does jump up and the free throws. He's at 40 and 77, so below par in both of those areas. I could see him pushing to be a 46 and 83 sort of a guy, which would push him into that top 30, top 25 discussion. He's only averaging 18 points. He can be a 20-point-per-game guy. And over the last seven games, his assists are up at seven per game, and he's under five for the season. So there's no reason in my mind that Doncic in three years' time can't average 22, 7, and 7 with 1.6 steals and 2.5 threes. I think that's a legitimate expectation for Doncic on 46 and 82, which would be a pretty comfortable top 20 player. He's probably not going to get to top 20 this season. A few things that need to happen there, but we're seeing all the different elements of his game with the assist again coming out now. Uh, you know, the, the, the shooting, which is, has dipped up over the last month under, under, 38, under 39% over the last month. Those things can start to come out, but he is obviously a stud and uh, going to be a fantasy beast for many years to come. I tell a man's not hot. The dud of the night is Boyan Bogdanovich. It wasn't a terrible performance from Boyan. 14-3-1 with a triple zero on uh, just 36% shooting. But there weren't many other highly rostered players who performed worse than him that weren't uh, injury-related um, Bogdanovich, the drop-off was always scheduled to come with the return of Victor Oladipo, and we're starting to see that now. He's outside the top 140 over the last week, and Oladipo's been back for all of those games. The scoring's down. The efficiency, weirdly, has dropped as well, which will probably come back up at some point. The free-throw attempt rate has dropped. The assist numbers have dropped marginally as well, despite the, the minutes all being up. And that's all you know, relatively expected with Oladipo's return. I think that Boyan is probably not a top 100 guy for much longer. He's 99th at the moment. I don't think that lasts. He's still a 12-team league player at this point, but we know that he has hot and cold streaks, and he thrives when a ball handler is out, either Collison or Oladipo, and then he dips off, much like Eric Gordon in Houston, when one of those guys returns and Oladipo, and uh, Bogdanovich gets pushed down the pecking order, and I think we're going to see that here from him, and I wouldn't be stunned if in a couple of weeks' time, he's not necessarily a must-roster player. He is your dud of the night for Tuesday. The plus-minus goats, Tyson Chandler, had the best net rating starting for the LA Lakers, a plus 98.3, while the worst net rating went to Dorian Finney-Smith of the Dallas Mavericks, a negative 68.4. Neither of these guys have really any sort of fantasy impact at all. 
The other good news from today is no injury news. No guys leaving to go to the locker room. No big injury news breaking. So that's I think that's the first time I really had, haven't had to mention really any injuries uh, regarding fantasy basketball throughout the season. So that's always a it's always a good sign we can get through a show without having to talk about the dreaded injury bug, which is uh, obviously a pain in the ass for all of us watching the NBA and playing in fantasy. The first game that we look at. From Tuesday is the Cleveland Cavaliers winning a thriller against the Pacers on the road. Larry Dance with the putback for the win. Let's talk about Nance, who was an absolute monster here. 33 minutes, 15 and 16 with six assists, three steals, and one block on 50% shooting. I didn't think that Larry Nance was this sort of a, of a passer. A surprise, to be sure, but a welcome one. His assists this year have been very impressive. Over three per game and over the last two weeks, over four and a half assists per game as the minutes have risen up. He is the 25th ranked player over the last two weeks in under 30 minutes a night. He is a must roster player. Of course, Larry Drew has got every opportunity to completely dick him over here when Tristan Thompson and then Kevin Love returns. But to me, there is absolutely no reason that Larry Nance shouldn't be the starting center for this team. Tristan Thompson has played well, no doubt about that. But he isn't the future of this team. He is putting up big offensive rebound numbers, but Nance is the guy that you've committed to as part of your future. We're seeing him produce, and that was always the case. It's why you know, at the start of the season, when no matter who was injured, we were getting David Nwaba play 30 minutes as a starting power forward in complete nonsense mode from Drew. And so like, well, if he's going to play 19 minutes a night, then you can't hold on to him. And now there's no choice because Thompson's out, because Decker got traded, because Nwaba got hurt, because Love is out. He had to go to Nance. And still, it took Larry Drew two games to actually start him, putting Channing Fry in there and putting Ante Zizic in there. Now, I didn't care that he wasn't starting because he was playing 30 minutes a night. But he is a clear must-roster player with that massive, massive caveat that Drew is going to bend us all over and push him back to 18 minutes in all likelihood. Now, I do hold out hope that he goes... Well, shit, this guy's good. Um, the front office goes, he's good. He's young. He's a part we want to develop around. Let's keep it going. And that's what we all should be hoping for as fantasy players. But if I had to put a percentage on it, I'd say I'm 20% confident that that's what happens. Oh, I just, I don't know. There are those two big guys that have to return, and that could be a real issue for a guy who should be playing 28 a night every night. Uh, I'm just not sure that Larry, uh, the big Laz, Larry, Larry eh, try again, Larry Drew, um, necessarily believes that, and that's who we need to. Delivered over another strong game, 10 points with four assists. He's a strong deeper league ad. While Alec Burks went to the bench and had his best game in a while, but still shot terribly, 14 points on 16 shots. The two blocks were a little bit of a weird anomaly. For Berksy, he is more of a 14 or 16 team league player. Colin Sexton, this is as Sexton-ish as it gets. 12 points in 32 minutes, one rebound. And that constitutes the rest of his statistical contributions. He was 6 of 13 from the field, didn't attempt a single free throw, no threes, no rebounds, no steals, no blocks. And this, again, is why I don't like him necessarily as a long-term fantasy prospect. I still believe, despite this sort of a shithouse performance, that he is a 12-team league guy. He is Jedi Braid Andrew Wiggins. That's the sort of player he is um, from fantasy. He's short Kevin Knox or Kevin Knox's tall Colin Sexton. These are the players he is. And despite this role, and everyone was hyping this guy up, you know, oh, he's a, he's a must-roster guy. You've got to draft him early. He's going to be a, a rookie of the year because he's going to have all the usage you can get. And you know what? He's getting minutes. He's getting usage. Over the last two months, he's playing 30 minutes a night with a usage of 25%. He's the 190th ranked player because he does nothing but score. And that was what he did at Alabama, and that's what he's doing at the moment, and that's why I don't value him long-term really as a prospect. And I, I still do think, despite these struggles, that he is a 12-team league guy. But you have to understand what you're getting from him. And nights like this, uh, they're pretty tough to stomach. Rocket Rodney Hood had a nice 17-6 and six game in 35 minutes, while Osman 13-7. and seven. I think Chetty is more of a 14-16 to 16 team league guy. After, after a decent start, then a terrible stretch, he's sort of middling at the moment, and it's, it's hard to rely upon him. For the Pacers, Thad Young continued his strong performance. 13-9, and nine, three assists, two steals and two blocks. He was not rosterable for the first couple of months of the season. He's really turned it on of late, and he is a guy to, to add, of course. Well, Darren Collison, he's droppable now. 5-6-4 with a triple one in 29 minutes. Sabonis had 17-8, and eight, while Miles Turner had 12-10 and 10 with four blocks. Good to see the rebounds coming back for Miles after he'd struggled a little bit with those in the games that he played alongside Oladipo. As for Vic, the shooting was terrible. 12 points on 15 shots. He was 3 of 6 from the line as well. 5 rebounds, 5 assists, 1 steal, 2 blocks. 
he's looking like a little bit of a bust if you took him. Some people took him in the first round, which was a clear mistake at the time. Even in that second round zone, I was lower on him than most, um, but I even I wasn't as low as the way that he's producing at the moment. Tyreek Evans, man, I, clearly I was wrong on him because he has been absolutely shitful. I thought he could carve out a nice 28, 29, 30-minute role ahead of Corey Joseph, ahead of Darren Collison, you know, be a good compliment, a secondary ball handling to Oladipo. He's just been shit, and there's no reason to hold him in any 12-team format. Or well, honestly, probably even 14-team league format. Um, guys, if you do have a company and you're looking for a new way to reach customers, you can be mentioned right now. Podcast listeners are 60% more likely to interact with the sponsors they hear on their favorite podcast. Our demographic is a massive sausage sizzle, 98% male, higher educated and higher earning than your traditional media audiences. So have your company sponsor this podcast by emailing me at redrockfantasybasketball at gmail.com. All right, the next game we take a look at, we've got the Washington Wizards and the Atlanta Hawks. A big win for the Hawks, a terrible loss for the Wizards. It was the debut of Trevor Ariza or the re-debut of Trevor Ariza. He played 38 minutes and had 19, 8, and 4 with 6 steals and 4 triples. Now, the 35% shooting, it's not that far off actually what he's been doing the last couple of seasons. The 6 steals are high, the 4 assists are high, the 8 rebounds are high. So there's a lot here to overreact to. But I do believe that Ariza is in a better value situation in Washington than what he was in Phoenix. And he is a must-roster player. But this is absolutely the upper end of what his production will be. The 38 minutes is sky high. And that's probably influenced by Otto Porter being out as well. So if you have Ariza and someone offers you and believes that he's back to a top 50 guy, then which he isn't. But if you believe that he is, or if someone believes that he is, then you might be able to ha- execute a sell high. Brad Beal had 29 and 10 with two steals, while Chasen Randall signed yesterday. We talked about who the hell is the other guard on this team. Well, it turns out it's Chasen Randall. That limits what uh, Thomas Satoransky can do. Now, Satoransky did have some foul trouble. 21 minutes, 11, 2, and 2. But Randall played 16 minutes, had 7, 1, and 3 with two steals. That puts Randall on the deep league roster, and it probably takes a lot of the shine off Satoransky as a potential 12-team guy. John Wall was shithouse, 15 points on 18 shots with six assists, while... Markeith Morris fouled out in 17 minutes, and Thomas Bryant struggled four points in 14, while Jan Mihimi joined the rotation with both of Morris and uh, and Bryant struggling. So he was back in the rotation for maybe a one-night-only special. Troy Brown back out of the rotation with the arrival of Trevor Ariza. Jeff Green. My name is Jeff. Um, 38 minutes, 12 and 7, two triples and a steal. He is a stream option while Otto Porter is out. For the Hawks, I thought he was dead and buried, but Alex Lynn's back. 15 and 5 with two blocks in 21 minutes. I wouldn't overreact to this. He'd barely been playing. Uh, it, w- it wasn't the greatest game from The Undertaker, Dwayne Debner, but we did get that extra you know, 27 to 21 minute split, whereas Len was, was barely playing before that. Um, it's a name to watch, Alex, but this is really just an outlier, especially the 9 of 10 from the free throw line. The Baptist John Collins had 20 and 13, while The Undertaker had 13 and 10 with a block. It should go without saying that Collins is a must-add player, if he, for some reason, is on a wire, which he isn't. While the uh, Deadman, The Undertaker, I think he's a 12-team league guy as well. Trey Young, 19, 3 and 4. Only 26 minutes for Young, but the performance was fine. While Jeremy Lin got hot late, 16 points in 24 minutes. He was putting up 12-team value before his injury. He's a name to watch. He's more of a 14 team league guy. Uh, Kent Bazemore continues to be, bring the defense. 13-4-4 four four with two blocks. He is a 12-team league player while Prince is out. While Kevin Huerta, 13-4-2 with a steal. Three triples. I will continue to say I believe he is a must-roster 12-team league guy who will continue to get better as the season goes on. Next up, we look at the next game, and that is the LA Lakers losing to the Brooklyn Nets. We had LeBron James LeBron James. 36-13-8, eight, two triples a steal and a block, and uh, one dunk blocked by Jarrett Allen, which he was not impressed by. Um, another shit free throw night from LeBron, 8 of 13, 62%, while Lonzo Ball, he has real, really stepped it up the last three games, 23-6-3, two steals and five triples, just in time for Rajon Rondo to come back and for Luke Walton to completely kill that. Now, the, the Lakers do not miss Rondo really in the slightest. Lonzo Ball is... By far, to anybody with eyes, the better point guard out of that combination. And he should continue to play big minutes every night, 35, 34 minutes a night. 
Now, will Walton go back and, and play him 27 so that Rondo can get out there with his championship IQ and play his 22 minutes a night and, and dick into Lonzo's value? That's a real worry. And there, are, let me put this on record as well. There are people asking me, is Rondo a 10-team stash? Is he a 12-team ad? No, no, he's not. No. And if he, if he, look, and if he is, then Walton should be fired because that means he's playing 30 minutes a night when he really shouldn't. And it is a possibility I think common sense will prevail, though, and we've seen Lonzo you know, carry this team pretty nicely at the moment. He's had some moments, no doubt, but he's clearly the better option. The future MVP, that uh, sell-high window is about to close. 22-11 and 11 in 43 minutes for Kyle Kuzma, while Kentavious Caldwell-Pope played 38 minutes and wasn't able to replicate his big performance from last time out. Uh, Joshy the Hitman Hart, 6-5 and five in 34 minutes. If you're still, whatever reason, holding on to him in 12-teamers, he can go because both Rondo and Ingram are likely to return next game. On to the Nets. Is D'Angelo Russell good? I'm not sure I know the answer to that, but I feel like it's a much closer question now than what it has been in the past. He had another big performance, 22-4-13 with a block, and he is the 53rd ranked player in fantasy this season. We thought he had top 40 upside at some point in the last couple of seasons, and he's starting to realize that at the moment. He's being a much more efficient shooter. He's, uh, he's seeing his usage go up as well, put up some some pretty good numbers. Uh, the assists are there. He he just looks like a more... The thing that's weird to me is his rebounds are quite low, and he, he can be a decent enough rebounder. But he is putting up some impressive numbers at the moment and, and really paying off some faith, I guess, if you had faith in him in dynasty formats for a guy that was being you know, hobbled by knee injuries the last couple of seasons. We are really starting to see a, a big step forward from D'Angelo Russell, and it's it's really impressive to see for a guy who's obviously copped a, a ton of shit over his career. Good to see him stepping up and uh, and putting together a strong run of uh, of play. Always, uh, always like seeing guys be able to do that. Um, for Brooklyn, Joe Harris, again, another guy really taking a step forward. 19 points with three triples and two assists. I think he is okay as a 12-team league guy. Not a must-roster guy, but close enough to it. While Jarrett Allen, 6-8 and eight with two steals and two blocks. Not the best performance, but the defensive numbers bring it. While Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, 17-8, and eight, looking a lot better of late. I don't think his upside's still that high. Uh, I don't think he is an absolute drop anybody to add on a 12-team roster, but he could be an option in some 12-team formats. So have a look at it. Well, Rowdy Rodion's Kurooks. Foul trouble limited him, so that meant we got 24 minutes of Jared Dudley, who was out there hitting daggers to, to ice this game for the Nets. 13-5 and five in 24 minutes, four duds. Not someone that you need to pay too much attention to in fantasy, though, pretty clearly. The last game of the day was the Dallas Mavericks and the Denver Nuggets. The Nuggets win 126-118. The pencil Harrison Barnes did his pencil thing. 30 points on 16 shots, super efficient, with a steal and a block. No assists, of course, with only four rebounds. He's just holding on to 12-team value at this point. While Wes Matthews had four triples and four assists with two steals, he's a fringe 12-teamer as well. And DeAndre Jordan, the free throw is a little bit of a problem here. Three of six, but 11 and 12, and of course... No blocks. Jalen Brunson started for Dennis Smith, eight points with one assist. When Smith returns, whenever the hell that will be, then Brunson will go back out of the rotation. While Dirk played seven minutes, and uh, Dirk is not a fantasy option in 12 or 14 or probably probably even 16 team leagues. On to the Nuggets. Jamal Murray, the Blue Arrow, he set a career high in assists, 22, 7, and 15 with a triple one. Uh, while Trey Lyles also got hot, 16 points and only seven shots. Not a lot to get overly excited about with Lyles. It's a good performance. But that sort of shooting is unrealistic. Mason Plumley had 11 and 9. Wancho had 12 and 6 as he was playing through an abdominal issue. I think uh, that Wancho is still a 12 teamer and Mason is a back end 12 team guy while all these injuries sort themselves out. Well, uh, Uncle P. Nick Young, he did end up playing nine minutes for this. Um, for this Nuggets team as they uh, as they got the victory over the Dallas Mavericks. All right, let's talk the DFS action now. We'll start with the perfect lineups. Over on DraftKings, we had Alec Burks, Rocket Rodney Hood. Um, Where am I? Got to get my list in front of me. Uh, Trevor Ariza, LeBron James, Nick Jokic, Jamal Murray, Larry Nance, Alex Len for a total of 366.25, and that cost 49900 And then on Fangio, Lonzo Ball, Jeremy Lin, D'Angelo Russell, Doncic, LeBron, the Pencil, Larry Nance, Thad Young, and Alex Len for a total of 371.8, and that cost the full $60,000 dues. 
All right, let's look at these games. A monster Wednesday in the NBA, 12-game slate for us to take a look at. We'll start with the first game. It is a back-to-back for the Cleveland Cavaliers in this game. We're going to be focusing more on fan jewel pricing for today. The Hornets are hosting the Cleveland Cavaliers, and the Hornets are 12-point favorites. The total is 219. The Cavs, of course, coming off that buzzer-beating win over the Indiana Pacers. Injury-wise, Jordy Clarkson missed Tuesday's game with that back issue. He's questionable at the moment, while for the New York Knicks, Damo Dotson is doubtful. And Tim Hardaway, who missed their last game, is questionable with that sore right heel issue that he has been dealing with. Let's take a look at the point guards. The young bull, Padawan, Colin Sexton, he's really struggling at the moment. He just is not a good fantasy producer. I can't look, I can't stop looking at his price and his opportunity and, and being interested, but he's averaging 13 DFS points over the last three games, 16 over the last five, because he just does nothing apart from score. Uh, I would still consider him at a $5,000 price tag, but it's getting harder and harder to do that. Kemba Walker's at 9700 His production has really waned, and that's a very, very expensive price for Kemba. The matchup's a super positive one for him, but I don't think that at that salary, I'd be all that interested in utilizing Kemba. Tone Parker, Matty Dallavadova. Now, Dally's at 4800 It's a big price rise. I'd probably lean away from him. Uh, Jeremy Lamb's at 6,400. I like the matchup here. That's probably the reason I'd look at Lamb. His, uh, his production's been slightly muted, but it is a positive matchup against a team on a back-to-back that I'd consider. Well, David Nwaba, he started Tuesday's games. No indication whether he will keep uh, his spot in that starting lineup. I imagine he will. He's at the uh, minimum salary, 3,500. He didn't have a huge game uh, on Tuesday, but he does have that ability to put up 20, which is absolutely fine at that salary. Jordy Clarkson at 58. I think if he is playing, that would be worthwhile. Uh, Malik Monk, Alec Burke's not interested. Nick Batum's at 4,800. It is very cheap for Batum, but of course, he's not producing anywhere near the level that we'd need him to. So I'd look at him as, as more of a tournament guy, but still a relatively decent tournament play, while 4,800 is also the price that Shetty Osman is, who is just struggling to put up numbers, also more of a tournament guy himself. Same with Rocket Rodney Hood. For the big man, Marvin Williams, 5,400. I don't mind that for Cash. His last game was somewhat of a disappointment, but this is a decent enough matchup for Marv. While Larry Nance Jr. at 7,000 just absolutely crushed it. Finally, finally, Larry Drew is starting him. He uh, rewarded them with that game winning, uh, game winning dunk. Um, at $7,000 for Drew, uh, not Drew, <laughs> I'm getting my Larry's confused for Nance. I'm, I'm all there for it. He is, uh, he's really, really good at the moment. At center, we've got Cody Zeller at 5,500. I think that's strong for Cash. He's just he's playing really well. He's putting up numbers in multiple categories. The minutes are up as well for Zeller, so I'm happy to, to look at him. I'm not sure he's got much tournament upside, though. Let's look at that one over on DraftKings. Lamb, Sexton, yeah, both some value there. 4,600 for Sexton, but the same issues I have there uh, extend over to DraftKings. While Kemba Walker at 8,400 again. More of a tournament guy because his uh, form has been off. David Nwaba at 34 gets a little bit of interest going there. While Larry Nance at 6,300. Hopefully they start him again. No reason why they shouldn't, and he should be able to exceed that number. And exceed it pretty comfortably would be my, uh, my estimation on Big Larry. Next up, we've got the New York Knicks and the Philadelphia 76ers. No spread at the moment. I guess they're waiting to see the status of Tim Hardaway Jr. This has got all the makings of a real blowout as well. So that's something for us to pay attention to. I I know for some reason I mentioned uh, Tim Hardaway uh, being questionable for the last game. He wasn't playing in that game. He is obviously uh, potentially playing in this one. Not sure why I, I mentioned him at all. In that, in that first game, let's look at the point guards. Manuel Moutier putting up big numbers for the Knicks of late. It is getting a little bit easier to trust him or trust Fizdale's rotations, but his salary has bumped all the way to 7,300. Now, he's averaging 43 points his last three. I think that's too expensive for Moutier um, with Trey Burke healthy. And if Hardaway plays, do we see a 26-minute Moutier or do we see the 30-plus guy we've been getting? It is, it's getting easier to trust him. I'm not fully there at that expanded salary. I'd leave, I'd leave that alone. Benny Simmons is at 9,400. He should be good for around 40, which is okay value. Don't mind him here. Trey Burke at 38 would just be a real upside flyer type of a guy. While Timothy John McConnell at 3,800. Um, the numbers were pretty good with Butler out, but uh, with Butler returning, his numbers are going to decrease. I'm not really seeing too much there with him. Jim Butler's at 7,500 as a shooting guard. He is averaging a putrid 18 points in the last three Somewhat skewed by a real stinker last time, plus the game that he got injured. But that's not looking great. The salary down nice and low. It is a good matchup for Butler. I think I'd be happy to use him here, to be honest, at that suppressed price where people may be a little bit off him. While JJ Redick at 5,700, limited upside, but okay value as a cash player. As for Hardaway, 6,700 for Timmy. 
Uh, with a, dealing with a sore leg, I'll, uh, I'll leave him alone. While if he is out, Courtney Lee started last game, had 26 points in... Uh, oh, no, he didn't. So he had 16 points in 22 minutes. At 3,800, he wouldn't be a terrible option, He but he clearly wouldn't be the best. Baby neck Wilson Chandler at 43. Eh, I don't see any interest there. Mario Hazonia, the same. For the big men, the fort, Kevin Knox, 6,400. The, the tall Colin Sexton, as I think we should start calling him. He's at 6,400. He's getting points and he's scoring them. He's just not doing it DFS-wise. 27 average over the last three. 32 over the last five is a bit better, but that's coming in 38 minutes played. The matchup's not a bad one for, for Knox here. He just has uh, such a limited or a lower uh, floor because of his inability to contribute outside of scoring. So that makes him a GPP guy. That's about it. Well, Noah Vonley at 6,000. I think that salary is way too high. Embiid's at 10.7. We know that centers against the Knicks is always a great bet. So Joel at 10,700. You should be hoping for 50, 55 points here. I think he's got the opportunity to go for 60 here, to be honest. It's a $700 price dip for Embiid as well, so that's working in our favor. And I'm really interested in using him here. As for Ennis Cantor at 7,100, I think that's a little bit too high for Ennis. Mitchell Robinson is out, so some extra minutes could go to Ennis, or they give them to Cornette. Um, but 7,100, it's a big chunk to use on someone like Cantor, whose production fluctuates quite a bit. On DraftKings, Embiid and Redick, I think, are two of the better plays on the board. Benny Simmons at 88 also looks good, as does the 7,200 for Jim Butler. And uh, you know the Fort, Kevin Knox, 5,900, the same risks involved. Manny Moutier up at 6,400. I feel better about Moutier on DraftKings than what I do on Fangio, though a little bit more value for him over there. Let's go on to the next game now. We are looking at the San Antonio Spurs and the Orlando Magic. The Magic are favored by one. The total is 207. The Magic won the earlier matchup this season against the Spurs in San Antonio, and now they get to take them on at home. At point guard, DJ Augustin struggling at the moment. He's at 4,800. Yeah, I don't see a good floor. I don't see a good ceiling, so that's uh, not a good matchup. Bryn Forbes and Derek White, who uh, we don't know if White's going to start or not, but both of his last games have been limited. In minutes, one starting, one coming off the bench. He actually had 25 points last game in only 17 minutes. But at 4,500, the upside's not high enough. I don't like Jaron Grant or Mills or Forbes all that much either. For the shooting guards, Fournier is at 6,000. I think that's fairly solid for cash, honestly, while DeMar DeRozan is at a nice 8,200. He should be looking at, at a you know, close to 40, if not high 30s type of performance against the Magic. He's averaging 39 the last three times against them, once with the Spurs and twice with the Raptors. Uh, I think that's a relatively good price, and the salaries come down nicely. Well, Terry Ross at 5,100. He is up and down at the moment, back to his old inconsistent ways. So I think Ross would just be your tournament player, and that's about it. John Isaacs at 5,300, really bringing the defense, but not doing too much else. That would make him really just a tournament guy and not much more. Well, Davis Bertans had a strong game last time out. Uh, he had 30 points, and most of those coming in the second half. He's at 4,100. If we do hear that Bertans is starting, he could be a GPP guy, but I'm not really all that interested there. Well, Rudy Gay, a guy who's crushing it at the moment. The price is elevated, 6,500 for Gay, but he's averaging 36 over his last five. He's on a strong run, and in a game that's projected to be close, Gay's minutes should be fine, and I don't hate using him. I wouldn't say that he is the best play out there, but I, I don't dislike using Rudy Gay here. At Powerford, Aaron Gordon has been atrocious of late, averaging under 17 points in his last three. I think he'll be better than that. I think we can look at a 30-point uh, performance, and he has had a $500 price rise, bringing him more in line with where he needs to be. He's okay without being a high-priority guy. Well, LaMarcus Aldridge, 8,400. Aldridge has been a lot a lot better of late, putting up some good numbers. Power forwards and centers have been putting up strong numbers against the Magic as well. I think LaMarcus at 8,400 is a relatively safe cash play. And then you've got the centers. Nick Vucevic at 9,000. Man, this guy is just rank, ranking, cranking, cranking out the uh, the 45-pointers of late, averaging 44 over his last five. He's got no worries. I don't believe in uh, in putting up those numbers. Really happy to use him. Jakob Pertl, Mo Bumba, not interested in those players all that much. On DraftKings, Augustine is down at 4,000. That gives him a little bit of GPP upside. Same with John Isaac at 4,100 but not a lot of cash value in that one. Aldridge at 81 is okay. Vooch at 9,000 is a weaker play on DraftKings than what he is on Fangio. And the 58 for Evan Fournier feels relatively safe over on DraftKings. Next, we have the Suns and the Celtics. The Celtics are 11.5 point favorites. The total is 219. The Suns have actually won three consecutive games. This is going to be a little bit 
of a tougher matchup for uh, for Phoenix going up against Boston. Um, we should have the debut of Kelly Oubre as well, who was traded across in that Trevor Ariza deal, which could really muck up these rotations. Al Horford is out for the Celtics. Jalen Brown is questionable after missing last game with a back issue. At point guard, De'Anthony Melton's at 4,300. His salary's come right down. I think the Ubre uh, addition here is is an issue for him. Not that they play the same position, but adding Ubre into the wing mix means that we get more Booker at point guard most likely, and that could impact Melton. So it would only be a GPP option. While Kyrie at nine thousand is just giving you forty pointers every night, and it is a blowout risk here. So that would be me leaning towards Kyrie as a GPP guy, and probably that's about it. Terry Rozier at forty two hundred, a blowout potential gives him some GPP upside. I wouldn't put Irving and Rozier into the same tournament lineup. Uh, and Rogier also gets a significant boost if Jalen Brown happens to be out. At shooting guard, Brown is at 4,300. Yeah, I'm not really keen there. Devin Booker at 86, who is putting up some good numbers. Really good with uh, getting Booker in here. I think he's a, a great matchup, uh, and he's averaged a whopping 67 points the last three times against Boston, while Marcus Smart, who is yeah, really putting up the numbers at the moment, 33 points over his last three. If Jalen is out, the 5,200 for Marcus Smart, I think, would be a worthy a worthy investment, while Jamal Crawford at 4,300. He could be the guy that loses some of those minutes to Kelly Oubre, so that's a bit of a concern, but his numbers have been good lately, mainly for tournaments, but I'm not that interested. Oubre's at 46, GPP only pretty clearly. We just don't know what the role's going to be, and he's not that good. And Gordon Hayward at 59, pretty tough to rely upon him, especially with a blowout on deck. Uh, Tony Warren Jr. is up to 7,100 because he is just putting up consistently big numbers. Power forwards do struggle somewhat against the Celtics, so that's somewhat of a concern here for Warren, but... In the way that he's playing at the moment, the usage he's getting, the way that his shots are falling, it is hard to go past Warren. I think he's okay to look at. While McCall Bridges um, is, again, it's tough to know how the minutes are going to shake out with Ubre in town. The same goes for Joshy Jackson, who is at 5,300, who's been exceeding that number, but yeah, you know, it's just hard to think that he's going to get enough minutes. At power forward, Daniel Vanilla Tice at 4,100. Big men against the Suns do put up really good numbers. We know that. So Tice has a, a real 30-point upside, but it, it'd be last resort GPP to me. While Jace Tatum at 67 is just a bit under that value, and Rashawn Holmes at 4,800 is probably pushing just a little bit too high. Marcus Morris at 62. I, I like that for him. I think he's a 30-point type of a guy here, which is a really strong cash option. While Bainsey at 37 as a center. Just not getting enough minutes, but this is the opportunity. It's the great matchup going up against the Suns, a real boost for center. So Bainsey could be a, your cheap center option. Well, Aaron, Aaron, Aaron Aiden? No, DeAndre Aiden at, uh, at 7,200 has been okay. The minutes aren't quite there. The matchups are disastrously negative one as well. So I think I'll end up fading Aiden in this matchup against Boston. On DraftKings, yeah, very similar. The 4000 for Ubre is an interesting GPP spot just because of how cheap he is, but yeah, working out how that rotation is going to go is pretty tough. I also like Rashawn Holmes quite a bit on DraftKings at 4000 Aaron Baines at 4000 has got maybe some tournament appeal, while Irving at 91 and Booker at 87 are probably the closest to cash options in this potential blowout game. Next up... We've got the Indiana Pacers on a back-to-back against the Toronto Raptors. The Raptors were missing Pascal Siakam and Kyle and Kyle Lowry last game. Siakam looks like he will return, but Serge Barker is now questionable. Uh, Fred Van Vliet also listed as probable, or Dan Green also probable. So there is some scenarios here. If Lowry is out, you're going to get Van Vliet and DeLon Wright get a bump. If a Barker is out, you're going to get Greg Monroe. As Greg runs in, we realize this could get dangerous. Yeah. You're going to get a bit more Pascal Siakam, maybe some more CJ Miles. And if you want to go really deep and sexy, Chris Boucher is a guy who could be forced into those backup center minutes. Of course, we know that Jonas Valanciunas is already sidelined for this Raptors team. At point guard, Dazza Collison's at 4,600. The production is down with Oladipo back, so you can move on from him. While Lowry at 8,300, he had 54 last game that he played before he was sidelined. I think I'd be a little bit cautious in using him if he does actually play with his back issue. Van Vliet would be a must-roster guy at 5,200 if Lowry is sidelined. He is averaging 30 points per game over his last three, induced by a lot of injuries. Dan Green's at 45, not really interested in that. While Victor Oladipo at 8,700 struggled a bit in today's game. Uh, the shot was clearly not there in that loss to the Cavs. He's tumbled down by $900 in terms of salary. So under the $9,000 uh, $9, mark at the moment. 
Uh, only really tournaments, I think, here for Vic. He's a little bit inconsistent. It isn't quite... I don't think he's quite right from that knee injury. Kawhi, the fun guy. I'm a fun guy. <laughs> he's at 9,700, Leonard. Um, that's, that's strong. Really good floor for cash and solid upside. While Boyan Bogdanovich's numbers have dropped as well, averaging just 23 over the last five. He would be a tournament-only guy with the way that things are currently set up. At Power Forward, Siakam's at 6,700, has been underperforming that number pretty consistently of late, averaging just 27 over the last five. If a Barker misses, and given the positive nature of this matchup, he could be in play, but it would really just be a tournament play. Sabonis at 66 is putting up strong numbers as well, while Serge Barker at 69. Giggity! If a Barker does play, I think that's worthwhile. But centers have had a really tough time against Turner and Sabonis, so I might uh, might let Abaka sit this one out. As for Thaddeus Young, 6,400, his numbers have been very impressive. I worry that it's not real, but with the way that they're going at the moment, he's exceeding that number almost every night, and, and that's pretty tough to come by. So he would be someone I'd look at in cash, and I'd be happy to happy to roll back that. Uh, that uh, attempt on uh, on Thad Young. At center, Greggy Munro, 38, is a GPP guy. If a Barker is out, then I really do like it even more for cash. While Miles Turner at 7,100, it's probably a little bit too expensive for me for Turner. He's been okay. Um, he's, been, he's been good, actually, to be honest. 39-point average over the last five. The rebounding dip we're seeing with Oladipo returning is, is a real thing at the moment, and that's impacting some of his numbers. So I'd be a little bit cautious about using Miles Turner in this matchup against the Raptors. Over on DraftKings, again, no one massively standing out. Abaka at 61, it's a good price, and the matchup's a tough one, though. Well, Siakam down at 57, that gets my interest, especially if Serge is out, because that price is more in line with what he's been doing over recent times, Pascal Siakam. 92 for Kawhi is a, is a very, very strong option, and Oladipo at 85, probably just more for tournaments as well. The next game up is the Washington Wizards and the Houston Rockets. The Wizards on a back-to-back after a loss against the Atlanta Hawks. The Rockets are 11-point favor- favorites, and the total is 225. Trevor Ariza uh, playing for his current team, which is also his former team, against his former team. So you can revenge game that as much as you want. Um, other injuries, Dwight Howard obviously out in what would be a revenge game for him. He is sidelined for the Washington Wizards. They were pretty piss poor today. Thomas Satoransky at 4,800. Uh, we saw them play recently signed Chase and Randall some significant minutes in the backcourt instead of Satoransky. I, I did say they needed another guard and they brought Randall in. So that limits some of Satoransky's appeal, I believe. Otto Porter is going to be out as well for the Wizards. Johnny Wall is at 10,200, a real stinker for him against the Hawks. He should be able to bounce back, but point guards have had a tough time up against the Rockets uh, so far this season. As for Chris Paul at 8,200, he's putting up numbers and not shooting well. So if the shot falls, he'll exceed that number uh, pretty comfortably. Just not sure that he's, uh, the shots are going to fall because we've just seen a, a significant sample size of the shots not actually falling. So he's an interesting tournament guy, but that's about it. Eric Gordon at 47. I've got no interest in him. Well, Jimmy Harden is at 11,600. He is averaging 71 points over the last three. The Wizards may not be able to provide any sort of resistance against Harden, so he looks pretty good. While Brad Beal's at 82. That's probably just a little bit too high for Beal at the moment. Uh, small forward, Trevor Ariza at 5,800. Happy to go back with him there. He played a lot of minutes in his Wizards re-debut uh, on Tuesday. I'm not sure he's a cash guy necessarily with 12 games on, but he could be a GPP option. While Jeff Green... My name is Jeff. Green is at 5,300. Should start again for Otto Porter. That should mean you're getting close to that 30-point mark, so that would make him, I believe, a cash option. At power forward, Markeith Morris at 52. I do like Markeith. He's played well against the Rockets in the past. At 5,200 is a relatively cheap price. Uh, he can be a little bit fluky, though, so just, just be aware of that when looking at um, at looking at his numbers. PJ Tucker not happening. At center, Clint Capella's at 8,400. This should be a 40-pointer for Clint, which makes him a strong cash play with tournament upside. Thomas Bryant, Nene, I don't really think we're seeing a huge amount from either of those blokes. On DraftKings, Mark Heath's at 48. I like that. Satoransky at 43 would be a GPP, while Harden at 11-4, I like. I'd happily go back to the 9-3 on John Wall and hope for a bounce back, but he was shit house. In today's game, well, 8,300 for Chris Paul. The same sort of caveats apply to Paul on DraftKings as, a, as they did on Fangio. Next up, we've got the Pelicans taking on the Milwaukee Bucks. A very, very thin front court here for the Pelicans with both Julius Randle and Nikola Mirotic out. The Bucks are favored by 7.5, and the total is a very, very nice 233, almost the largest total of the day. 
Malcolm Brogdon is questionable with that hamstring issue. Um, and as I mentioned, those uh, those Pelicans guys, uh, Randall and Miritich, are likely out. So we're going to see more Darius Miller, Sheck Diallo, and maybe even some Jaleel Okafor. Not that I think that's going to have too much of a DFS impact. At point guard, we're looking at Eric Bledsoe at 7,800. He's been giving you high 30s most nights. It's a positive matchup. No reason why Bledsoe can't be an option here, while George Hill is a minimum salary guy for a pretty significant reason. Timmy Frazier's at 5,300. He had three points in 12 minutes last game. Elvin Gentry was not happy. I don't really like him as a DFS play here. I do like Drew Holiday, though, 8,900. He's going to have to take even a larger offensive role. So that should be getting him 45, maybe even 50 points with both Randall and Miritich out. Uh, Brogo's at 54. I'll leave that alone because we don't know his status. And 7,100 for Chris Middleton. Back on track last game with a 35-pointer. A very good record against the Pelicans. A positive matchup for Chris. I'm happy to go in with Middleton here. And I think you'd be in the uh, minority who's rostering him. Yanni's at 11,800. He's always a pretty strong option. Each one more at 43 is not, not happening for me. Well, Darius Miller at 37 would be an interesting tournament guy, just given that lack of depth in the, uh, in, in the front court there in New Orleans, but that would be, uh, that would absolutely be an option. Solly Hill, no. Check Diallo, 3,800. Hasn't really impressed of late, but he's going to have to play 20 minutes. And in 20 minutes, he should be able to exceed 20 fantasy points. His numbers of late haven't been impressive, but I'm happy to... 3,800, I think that's a great option on Fangio. And and Tone Davis up at 12.7. That's a lot, but you're looking at a 70-pointer here from Davis. He's going to have to carry so much of that load. The only worry you have is that with these injuries, if the Pelicans get blown out and they do limit Davis, Gentry hasn't really been one of those guys who limits his players. He's been you know, riding their asses really hard, um, like Holiday and and uh, and Davis playing 40 minutes a night, and that could be another situation that, that does occur here. Brook Lopez at 5,700, just a consistent 30-point guy at the moment, which at 5,700, you can't really ask for much more than that, and that makes uh, that makes him a pretty strong option. Over on DraftKings, Middleton, Holiday, Yanni, Davis, I think they're all pretty good. Eric Bledsoe at 76, I think that's strong as well. 47 for... For Brook Lopez and Czech Diallo, he's up at 45 on DraftKings, so it takes a little bit of this shine off of him as opposed to how it looks over on uh, over on Fangio. Next up, we've got the Pistons and the Timberwolves. The Wolves are favored by five. The total is 218.5. The Wolves are coming off that big win over the Sacramento Kings and trying to keep that momentum going. Jeff Teague has been ruled out. My name is Jeff. With that ankle injury, so that means Josh Okogie is in the rotation. That means Derek Rose will start at point guard without almost any doubt at all. Um, who else are we looking at here? Derek Rose, yeah. Point guard, 6,200. I'm in on Rose there. He had 30 points in 29 minutes last game. That is one of the best plays of the day on FanDuel, in my opinion. Tyus Jones had a monster last game, 34 in 24 minutes. But some of that was the fact that that game was such a blowout that he got that extra playing time. Not sure he'll get exactly that sort of, uh, that sort of minutes in this game. Reggie Jackson at 5,300. Point guards have really struggled this season against the Timberwolves. Jackson's up, up and down, hot and cold. Uh, as it is, I think we'll leave him out of it. Shooting guards, Akogi's at 3,700. He had 26 last game in 28 minutes. I am, uh, I'm very happy to get Akogi in at 3,700 and, and use him for cash. Andy Wiggins at 6,000. Hasn't quite been at that level, but does do okay against Detroit historically. 31 average the last three times, but that is coming in 39 minutes, so that's worth noticing. But I don't mind Wigo here. Reggie Bullock, the Duck Luke Canard. Not really sure any of those guys are, are worth using. At small forward, Bob Cubs at 5,800. He played way too many minutes last game, but had the 30 points. He still isn't quite right, and the matchup is somewhat of a negative for Covington, but at 5,800, he should be in your tournament pool. Stan Johnson coming off a strong game. I don't think we can really trust Johnson to do that on a consistent basis. Well, I don't feel comfortable in trusting him anyway. Uh, any other wings to talk about? No, let's go to the power forwards. Blake Griffin, 9,200, just... 40 points a night. That's his lowest score over his last five. Love what Griffo is doing. So happy to use him there. While Dario Saric at 53. Will he get 30 minutes in, in Gibson under 20? That's the deciding factor as to whether he's usable. Because if he gets 30 minutes, then he is a rosterable player. If he gets 24 minutes, then he isn't. So that would probably make him more of a GPP guy. Taj Gibson, not interested. At center, Carl Anthony Towns, 99 100. He is around about a 45, 46-point guy, which is okay. Drummond has limited opposing centers, including Towns in the past. I'd probably leave him alone, and I'd save the $400 and take Andre Drummond at 9500 as a better option. He's averaged 46 the last three times out against Carl Anthony Towns. Over on DraftKings, I like Akogi at 3,200. I like Drummo 
at 91. You've got the Duck Lucanard at 3,500, who's been disappointing, but as a GPP play, there's clear 25 or 26 point upside there for the Duck. In fact, he had a 43 point game uh, not that long ago. So some clear upside at that really low salary. Reggie Bullock at 43. I'm not sure he's got quite the upside of Canard, and he costs a little bit more. Derek Rose at 67 is strong, but not as good as on Fangel. And the 97 for Townsie is, is okay, but there are better options out there, I believe. The next game that we take a look at, we have got the Brooklyn Nets and the Chicago Bulls. The Nets have won six consecutive games. They are on a back-to-back. They just beat the Lakers. The Bulls uh, are shit. The Nets are favored by two. The total is 215. We know that if you're a big man, you go up against the Bulls. It's great. You know, if you're a big man, you go up against the Nets. It's great. Well, they're going up against each other. So this could be all sorts of weird shit going down. The blue swimmer, Alan Crabb, missed Tuesday's game with that knee. Rowdy Rodion's Karuk started, got into foul trouble. I'd imagine that Crabb misses this one as well, but we're not sure. While Jabari Parker is questionable with a stomach illness, He's not going to play regardless, so it doesn't really matter. At point guard, Chris Dunn's at 7,000. Hasn't really hit those heights, um, limited by the blowout nature of the last couple of games. I'm happy to go back on Dunn here, but more for tournaments. Zach Levine is out, so Ryan Archer-Jackano at 4,200. He'll have the occasional big game and the majority shit game, so that uh, that wipes him out of consideration for me. Spencer Dinwiddie just crushing, but at 7,100, it's probably a little bit high. Now, I said that today, and he had another big game. But uh, 7,100, going up against a team that cut him. We know he's done very well in his revenge games against the Pistons before. Not so much against the Bulls. 71 is probably a little bit high for him. At shooting guard, you've got Justin Holiday at 5,400. Don't mind Holiday here, especially for cash. While D'Angelo Russell at 7,200 is absolutely crushing it at the moment. Just putting up big number after big number. Happy to go here with Russell, who is really, really blossoming uh, in his fourth season in the NBA. Small forwards. We've got Joe Harris at 5,000, who is a rock-solid cash guy, I believe. Just a 26, 27-point guy almost every night who has come along in leaps and bounds. While Damari Carroll at 44. If Crab is out, I think Carroll at 44 is not a bad cash play. While Rowdy Rodion's Karooks is at 4,400. And again, today's game was marred by foul trouble. That kept his playing time under 20. Uh, I think you could look back to him as a GPP guy. He is power, power forward though. Now, Wendell Carter Jr. has been mismanaged by Jim Boylan, but he also can't stay out of foul trouble. He's down to 5,300. If he gets 30 minutes, he will smash through that. Now, the likelihood of him getting there is low, but the matchup is a great one for him, and the price is really good for, for Wendell. So I think that he is a GPP option. While Rondé Hollis-Jefferson starting to push up at 5,600, I actually don't have an issue in a real positive matchup. I think he is a cash play. While Punch Bob's at 5,100, I think Bobby Portis is a GPP player. Markinen is up to 7,400. He's not shooting well, but he is contributing in many different categories, and that's helping his fantasy baseline. He's averaging 35 over the last three. This is a positive matchup. No worries with getting Markinen in there. And then at center, Jarrett Allen is struggling at the moment. At 6,400, if there's any team outside of the Phoenix Suns who are going to get you a boost back in terms of opposing centers, then uh, this is the one. Um, at 6,400, it would only be tournaments, and I'd much rather go the 5,300 on Wendell Carter than 64 on Jarrett Allen. For DraftKings, same story with Carter, a nice tournament guy. I like Portis at 47. I like Chris Dunn at 63. Rondé at 56 also looks good. And Jarrett Allen comes way more into play at that 5,500 price tag on DraftKings. Next go around, we look at the Golden State Warriors. They are traveling to take on the Utah Jazz. The Warriors are favored by just three. The total is 218. Jay Crowder started last game for the Jazz against the, the Rockets. There's a chance he starts again, but earlier in the season when these teams matched up, it was Derek Favors who got the nod, but that was sort of before Quinn Snyder was going with this horses for courses starting lineup decision. So I think we get more minutes out of Crowder in this one. Ravishing Rick Rubio. He's at 6,100. I think he's more of a tournament guy, but the matchup, point guards have done pretty well against the Warriors this season, so I do think that Rubio is in play here, while Steph's at 92. The numbers have been a little bit down from Steph over the last couple. I think that this matchup with the Jazz defense could be one that you could consider Steph, but it's probably one with 12 games on that I'd lean away. At shooting guard, the Don Donovan Mitchell's at 7,600. Not shooting well, but still putting up numbers. That's a good sign of a very good player. I think at 7,600, he is absolutely worth looking at, while Clay Thompson at 69. Giggity! Now, if there's one player in the NBA that would appreciate being priced at 6900 it probably is Clay Thompson, to be honest, or maybe J.R. Smith, although he'll never get up to that salary again. Uh, Thompson's averaging 36 over the last three, 
It is a negative matchup for Thompson, no doubt, and he has struggled against the Jazz. He would be a tournament sort of a player here. At small four, Jinglin Joe really in the dumps at the moment. He's done very well against the Warriors in the past, so bear that in mind. He is really struggling. The salary is on the way down. I think he's a nice contrarian GPP guy, while Kevin Durant's 9,200 is a big dip because his numbers have dropped off significantly. He's averaging just 39 points over his last five in 35 minutes, and that's not enough at 9,200. The matchup's a negative one as well. I'll lean away from Durant. Well, Jay Crowder at 46. I think Crowder's an interesting tournament player, especially if we hear that he is going to get the start, which is, again, it's the way that I'm leaning with it at the moment. At Power Forward, Draymond's at 66. I don't think we've seen Draymond that low in quite a while, and he's not really even producing up to that level. So uh, tournaments only for Draymond. Yunusha Repko's at 39. He is playing fantastically. 23 points last game. Um, you can revenge game this as much as you want as well. I actually like your Repko here as an interesting tournament play. Derek Favors not not doing it for me. At center, Looney, no. Gobert, 8,600. Warriors do limit Gobert as they do to so many centers, but centers have had a decent go of things against Golden State this season. I don't think that I'd want to use Gobert in this matchup. Jordan Bell, I know that I wouldn't want to use him. On DraftKings, uh, I think Ravishing Rick is in a play at 5,700. Your Repco at 35 and Steph at 95. There's value in all of those guys. Uh, Don Mitchell at 7,400, I also think, is a pretty strong play over on DraftKings. Let's go through to the next game. We have got the Oklahoma City Thunder and the Sacramento Kings, the uh, team of the former Westbrook-Durant combo against the team of the current future Westbrook-Durant combo. The Thunder are four and a half points favorites. The total is 237. Will the Kings actually play their starters? I'd be pretty stunned if they didn't. So I don't think we have too much to worry about Jaeger going all bananas on us here. Darren Fox at 7,500. Looking at these Kings players, there's no real need to look at recent averages because they're completely skewed and screwed. By that last game, Fox had 0.2 points in six minutes. He's at 7,500. No reactionary price drop, though, so that's uh, interesting on uh, on Fangio's part. Makes sense, though, given the nonsense of that last game. Uh, it is a negative matchup for Foxy, but he has been putting up good numbers. I'd be happy to go back there. While Westbrook at 11,400, he's just a 50-point machine at the moment, and I think that's strong for cash and for tournaments. Shooting guard is Schroeder at 57. I think that's too high outside of the weird tournament play. Well, we've got Iman Shumpert and Bogdan Bogdanovich both listed as questionable. If if Shumpert's out and Bogdan's in at 6,000, I'd really like Bogdan, but otherwise I'm probably fading both of those guys. At small forward, Bielitsa's at 5,800. That's a pretty significant price jump for Nemanja. Uh, it would just be for tournaments because, of course, Marvin Bagley is out. Well, Justin Jackson at minimum salary, if Bogdanovich and if uh, Shumpert are both out, then it's going to be Troy Williams and Justin Jackson getting a lot of those minutes, and neither of those guys are good. But Jackson can have those weird 24-point games on you know, 9 of 11 shooting uh, and nothing else, but that can really bring that value back at minimum salary. So he is a name to watch, no doubt, while Paul George at 9,400, just cranking out 45s every night. Uh, really love him here. Jeremy Grant's at 51. I'd, I'd move on. I wouldn't consider that. And at center, you've got Will Cauley-Stein at 7,000. Don't like the matchup for Cauley-Stein, while Steve Adams at 7,200. The matchup's a pretty good one for Steve-O. I think he's a, a pretty solid enough cash play. Not interested in Newlands Noel here. At DraftKings, Bielitsa is a much more reasonable 48. Cauley-Stein at 59 also has value, and uh, Darren Fox at 7,000 looks good, as does Westbrook, as does Bud Heald at 62. The... Uh, the next game and the last game of the day, the 12th game, is the Memphis Grizzlies and the Portland Trailblazers. No spread or total as we await the status of Mike Conley. Joachim Noah is also questionable with uh, with a heel issue, so that's a little bit of a concern after he just, uh, just signed with this team. Um, point guards, we're looking at Conley at 8400 A nice price drop for Conley. Didn't play that last game. I think he's be okay to use, but I just worry that hamstring and that it would probably fade me off him. While Lillard's at 9,200. The matchup's a significant negative for Lillard. He was on fire last game, but he'd struggled a few of the games before that. I think I'd end up fading a lot of players in this game. Now, if Conley's out, Shelvin Mack at 4,100. Hasn't lived up to that sort of production or didn't live up to it against the Warriors, but I think he would be a pretty strong player. Starting point guard at 4,100 is always an option. Garrett Temple at 42 isn't. CJ McCollum at 72. We know that he does very well against Memphis, averaging 51 the last three times out. So happy to ride that train again at 7,200. And then at small forward, you've got Flamin Mo Harkless at 4,200. Not uh, not someone I'm super into whose offensive explosions are few and far between, much like Kyle Anderson at 53. I don't think there's a huge amount of DFS value for either guy. 
Triple J, Jaron Jackson Jr. is at 6,400. Love the price drop. Love the matchup. Hate the fouls and hate the way Bickerstaff uses him at times, but this makes it a really good GPP 50-point upside sort of a player. Jermichael Green is the one you use opposite him if Green gets in foul trouble. Sorry, if Jackson gets in foul trouble, Green's minutes can bump up. While Mark Gasol at 8,300, I'd only really consider using Gasol if Noah is ruled out and they push that extra three or four minutes onto Markey. Otherwise, I'm not super into him. While Yusuf Nurkic's salary is now at 8,200, I think that might be a little bit too high, but I also don't completely want to write it off in this matchup, but I probably will just given the uh, the, the nature of the Memphis defense. On DraftKings, Jermichael Green and Jaron Jackson Jr., the same sort of option, except I think Jackson's value at 5,700 is enough to consider him in cash. All right, let's move on now to look at the studs and values. On DraftKings, I like Embiid as a stud play, and the value is Markeith Morris. On Fangio, my stud is Embiid, and my value is Czech Diallo. On Yahoo, my start is Andre Drummond, and my value play is Bielitsa. And lastly, on Draft Stars, my stud is Embiid, and my value play is Czech Diallo as a minimum salary player. Guys, that'll wrap it up for today. Make sure you are subscribing. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify. Check out the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Fast Break Podcast, a short episode that comes out, I don't know, six or seven hours before this one. And you can also tell your smart speaker to play the podcast, Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Follow me on Twitter at RedRock underscore Beeble and the network at Locked On NBA Net. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. Jared Dudley.